Hey, I'm so glad you guys are here. My name is Kenny. I'm the campus pastor. And if you're a guest, thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your time today. And uh, as we begin a brand new series that we are calling, not free ride, but joy ride, but sometimes it feels the same, right? And uh, as a matter of fact, in the Wall Street Journal this week, I think it was on Tuesday, actually, this picture was in the Wall Street Journal with uh, Jay Leno and uh, free ride with his uh, show coming up. And it says joy ride right there at the top. And maybe that's what some of you think about when you see Joyride and it's a convertible and riding around. Uh, maybe some of you think about, when you think of Joyride, you think of Ferris Bueller. Where are all my 80s people at in here? Anybody up in here? <laughs> all the old people right there. That's us. You know, when they stole the car and uh, went for a little Joyride. Maybe uh, some of you think of uh, family vacation. Were you able to get away with some Joyride? Yeah, this summer. So some of that. So we have a lot of feelings and different things that we think about when we think of Joyride, and we always love the Joyride. When it is fun, when it is exciting, when it is uh, happy and joyous, that's why we call it Joyride, and we don't want it to ever end. However, we all know that at some point, we're not taking a Joyride, it's more like we're taking the sad ride or the depressed ride or the down and out ride, and we have those moments as well. Well, this series, what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about how do you have joy even in the down rides of life? The up rides of life, it's easy to have joy, <clears throat> but how do you have real joy when the ride is not so free, not so fun, not so joyous? And so that's what we're gonna talk about. Now, let me just throw it out there. I'm gonna ask three things of you this series, okay? This series is six weeks long, so I want you to be here for six weeks, six Sundays in a row, and you're like, man, six Sundays, I haven't done that. Well, ever. Okay, good. Make it, this is your first time, okay? If you can't make a mes message uh, by being here, we're actually now, as our six-year anniversary, all of our messages from this campus will be on podcast. So you can go catch that. <clears throat> you get to listen to my Southern draw on the radio. How awesome is that? So catch the message even if you can't come. The second thing I want you to do is make sure you grab a Bible. If you don't have one, uh, we would love to give you one. And uh, if you like, no, I'm a digital guy, well then download the Bible because we're going through the book of Philippians. And by the end of six weeks, you will have gone through one book of the Bible. And so just take the book of Philippians. Now you have a plan. Just read some of it every single day and you'll be able to go through one book of the Bible that we'll do together. And that's actually my third thing. I want you to go through this with someone. Join a small group. They'll be talking about what we're gonna be talking about and a little bit more during the week. So if you've not joined a small group, they start this week, make sure you jump in and grab one of those small groups, okay? And, uh, and I'm, I'm quite certain you will enjoy this journey a lot more with friends, okay? So let me kind of tell you a little bit about the guy who wrote Philippians. I've shared this before, but just in case you're new, I don't I don't want you to feel left out. The guy who's writing the book of Philippians, his name is Paul, but his original name was actually Saul. Saul hated Christians. And you know, you might be like, well, I hate Christians. Well, y'all had something in common. He hated them. And as a matter of fact, he didn't even believe in the whole Christian movement. He was a Jewish man with a long pedigree of being someone who's very close to God, very tight with God on the outside, and he actually believed he was doing God a favor by stamping out this thing called the way, and it was the whole, this whole belief about this Jewish carpenter who died, who came back to life. He hated them so much that he actually took part in murdering them. 
Like the first time he shows up on the pages of scripture, he's holding men's coats so that they can grab rocks and throw it harder and faster out of for this one guy who was a believer that they were stoning to death. So that's how he entered history as we know him as Saul. But something would happen in his life, and that is he would actually meet Jesus, and then everything changed for him. When he met Christ, his entire world flipped upside down, and now instead of trying to stamp out Christianity, he became one of the biggest proponents for Christianity, and he traveled his known world starting these little things called churches. He would go into a major city, talk about how amazing Jesus was, talk about what's happened, and man, you've got to know him, you've got to know him. One person would give their life to Jesus, another person person would become a Jesus follower. And these little groups of people would get together in a thing called a house church or a home church. And they would start the very first, what we would know as churches. And then he'd go to another city. Well, here's what he would do when he would travel on his way. He would write a letter back to that certain church in that certain city as he would think about them. And Philippians is one of those letters where he's writing. It's 10 years after he started a little church in Philippi, group of Christians, and he's writing Philippians back to them to say, hey, listen, I want you to have joy. I want you to know how to have joy, even, if t- even in tough circumstances. Now, I share all that, and you might sit in your seat going, well, why do we need to know all that? Here's why. The reason he's writing Philippians And the place he's writing from is anything but joyous. He's in a prison cell trying to get enough link on his chain going from the, can can I have a little bit more? Awesome. Have joy. The guy in charge at the time that he's writing this is a guy by the name of Nero. Remember studying about him in high school or college? You're talking about a guy who hated Christians to the degree that if he found Christians, he would dip them in tar, put them on a stake so that he would light up his garden in his backyard for his parties that he would have. This is Nero. He's large and in charge. Christians are trying to run for their life. Many of them are taking stands for their faith and they are paying the ultimate price. Many of them are having like second thoughts going, I don't know about this Jesus thing. Man, I thought this was gonna be like a joy ride. This is like a die ride, you know? And so they're all kind of like, do we abandon? Do we hang in there? What do we do? Paul is writing the book of Philippians going, you hang in there and you have joy even through the toughest times of your life when it doesn't feel like a joy ride. Here's how you can have joy. And Paul would eventually be beheaded with Nero in charge. So when you're learning from a guy who knows what it's like to be down and out, learning from a guy who knows what it's like when life is not going his way, learning from a guy when he wishes life was probably a different way, but this is the way life is, and he's finding joy even in the midst of it. So I think he has a lot to say to all of us in the room. So Philippians chapter one, verse one, here's what it says. And I'll read some verses and then stop along the way and we'll talk about some some interesting words. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Now, let me stop right there. The word servants is so interesting because the word servant in Greek is actually bond slave. In that day, if you had a slave, the slave served his time or her time, they would actually then be able to go free. Well, if you were a really, really good master, you cared for them, you loved them, you provided for them, you gave grace to them, that slave could choose 
to remain a slave to you, therefore being a bond slave. I know I'm free, but I'm choosing to be your slave. He uses out of the gate, verse one, Paul and Timothy. Oh, guess who we are? We are bond slaves of Jesus Christ. He has been so good to us as our master. He's so amazing to us as our Lord. We are choosing to be his slave for the rest of our life. It's a pretty amazing word. And you're thinking, it's gonna be more than six weeks getting through Philippians, you go that rate. Servants of Christ Jesus, just out of the gate, we're just starting. To all the, can we say the next word together? Saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. The word saints in Christ, he's basically writing to Jesus followers. So if you're in the room and you're a Jesus follower, he's calling you a saint and you're like, uh, no, I'm not a saint. Are we, the New Orleans saints? No, 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 no. Like the statue saints? No, 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 no. He's saying saints. Another translation says to all the holy people, the holy ones. And you're like, uh, you don't know me very well. I am not holy. I'm gonna talk about that in just a minute. That's who it's going to, with the overseers and deacons, I love this part, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The two things we all want in our life is grace and peace. Where do they come from? God our, I love the tenderness, God our Father, and I love the authority, and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's both grace and peace to you. Now, it's so interesting when you read that, the saints of Christ Jesus, because it is true. We would never look at ourselves as a saint. Maybe the reason we wouldn't look at ourselves as a saint is because we don't see ourselves the way God sees us. You ever heard this phrase? I'm just a sinner saved by grace. How many of you have ever heard that phrase? I know a lot of unchurched people, have, they use it. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm a sinner saved by grace. It's not true. It's not true. You were a sinner saved by grace. When you give your life to Jesus Christ and you say yes to him, your identity changes. You become a holy one, a saint. You're like, but my actions. See, we are into behavior modification. God is into identification from the inside out, transformation. That's what he desires. So what if you throughout the day really saw yourself as a saint? Like, what if you went home and you're like, kids, today you're going to start from now on calling me Saint Dad. That's my name. I mean, can you imagine how you would see life so differently, right? And, and, you know, counselors call it projection, that you will become who you think you really are. And if who you really think you are is a sinner, a dirty, rotten, can't ever get my act together, I'm never going to get this right, well, guess what you're going to live like? Dirty, rotten, sinner, ain't never going to get my life right. But what if you just totally went, God, I'm going to believe who I am, that you say I am, I'm going to believe you, that I really am a saint who will occasionally sin, not a sinner who will occasionally do saintly things. It's a different way of looking at it. This is what Paul starts out. Verse three, he goes on and here's what he says. I thank my God. And I love when he goes, my God. You see that it's personal. It's relational. He's not talking about a God. He's talking about, this is my friend. This is my God, and I'm thanking him. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. It's interesting. It's a thankful joy or a joyful thankfulness. And he's in prison. And yet this is what is giving him joy, is that he's thanking his God 
for them in this moment. I wrote this down. Happiness is tied to circumstances, but joy is always tied to God. See, we would be writing going, I'm not writing thanking for joy. I'm writing going, God, why am I here? God, get me out of this place. God, I didn't do anything wrong. God, when are you going to rescue me? God, why aren't you listening to me? He's writing going, I just want you to know God is so good. He's my God. I'm so thankful. And I, I really do have genuine joy when I think about you. And you go, well, why has he got joy when they think about you with who he's writing to? Here's why. Verse four, he explains it. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray, there it is again, with joy because of, here it is, your, can we say the word together? Partnership in the, say it together, gospel from the first day until now. Why does he pray with joy and thankfulness? Because of his partnership in the gospel. Now, I love this. 10 years later, he's in prison, looking back on 10 years, and he's going, golly, God, thank you so much for those people. What they've done to expand the kingdom, even what they're going through, the way they have sacrificed their time, the way they've sacrificed financially, the way they've sacrificed using all of their gifts to make your name known in Philippi. I'm just telling you, every time I think about that, I just want you to know I'm so thankful for you. And I'm just telling you, it, this, this message just falls at a perfect time. For six years that we've been doing this in this theater, my heart is so thankful for you. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you, it's crazy what God has done in six years. It started with a hundred of us. My great leadership dropped it down to 85 in two weeks. But what God has done since then has really been incredible. So it doesn't matter whether you just greet people at the door, whether you hand out donuts, that's the coveted spot everybody wants anyway, whether you just, whether you take care of kids, whether you lead children, whether you serve with adults, I'm just telling you, you are making a difference. Go, what kind of difference? In six years, over 500 adults, not students, 500 adults in this room have given their life to Christ in six years. Over 500. Can you believe that? <clears throat> over 400 have been baptized in six years. Over 400 individuals. So just to tell you, <clears throat> at the end of this month, we're actually having another baptism party coming up. So if you've never been baptized, never been dunked, this is your opportunity right here, okay? It's gonna happen right outside of the theater and we're gonna use the baptism that you guys purchased because you haven't, we need everything around here and you guys purchased a baptism for us. We're using that, we're gonna have hot dogs. It'll be a party, it'll be a lot of fun. But listen, if you've never been baptized, your choice, not somebody for you. Your decision, not your parents or your grandparents. Your decision, like those in Philippi, to say, I'm choosing to become a follower of Jesus and I want the world to know, I'm telling the world, myself, that I want to jump on this joy ride with Jesus for the rest of my life. And I want, because here's what baptism is. It is a symbol. It is a symbol that you're closing the door on your past and God is opening up a brand new door for your future. That's what it's a symbol of. The old life is completely gone the center of you, and the new life, the saint is being shown to the rest of the world. So if you wanna be baptized, we have a baptism table right when you walk out. You'll see it right to your left. Fill out the form, grab a t-shirt and get dunked. And good thing is in six years, I haven't lost it. Well, I've lost two people in the water. But anyway, that's a different story, okay? That's a different story. But baptism is coming up. And when, when I was thinking about the serving 
and how God has used you to serve. Um, something happened a couple of months ago during one of the storms that happened here. Before I show you the, pic the picture, it was a storm, right? It was like all the clouds ran out of dogs and cats, and it wasn't raining dogs and cats. It was just like just pouring down, right? Well, we encourage our students to serve on Sundays. Find a place to serve. Find a place to serve. Find a place to serve. Well, somebody came in uh, before the third service and said, I'm not going to mention his name, okay? But it's one of our students, and they said, have you seen Walker Owens? And I said, what? They said, have you seen him? And I said, no, what's he doing? He goes, he's walking people to their car. And I went, that's awesome. And they went, here, here's a picture. I took it. And this is the picture of Walker walking people to their car without a shirt, in shorts. <laughs> I love it. I'm just, I, I thought, oh my gosh, that is so awesome. So awesome. Now, don't go tell your friends, dude, when it rains, the host team takes their clothes off. Don't do that. That's not what I'm saying. Here's what I love about this. The dude took his socks and shoes off, took his shirt off, and goes, let's go. I got y'all. And I know for a fact that the people he's walking to their car were first-time guests because <laughs> they told me they were the next Sunday. I mean, that's so amazing because here's what I love about that. I love, number one, that it was a student. And I love number two, it really does say, listen, we will do whatever we can to serve the people in this community. We will not stay in our comfort zone. We will not think that Sundays is always about us. We will not say, what about me? What about me? What about me? It is, I will get uncomfortable so that I can make you comfortable. Why? Why would we do that? So we can partner together for the gospel so that someone can hear the good news that God loves them. It's got a plan for their life. And Jesus came to rescue them from themselves. That's what we are partnering together with. Now, when he goes to Philippians chapter one, verse six, I wanna read this. And if you need a memory verse for this week, put this one on your phone, put it somewhere. Philippians one, verse six says this. I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. Jesus. Now, anybody got any uh, projects you need to finish at home? You're one of those individuals? Anybody? Yeah? Yeah. Okay. So uh, we had an incident at our house two weeks ago. It dealt with one of my f uh, kid's friends. I won't mention that person's name. And a segue. And essentially their leg went through a window. Just a little minor injury. Wasn't any big deal. For two weeks, this has been what my window looks like. That is Alabama engineering at its best, ladies and gentlemen. A towel from the garage and duct tape. Duct tape fix anything. Anybody with me on that? And fishing line, but I didn't need fishing line. I just used duct tape. For two weeks, it was like this. And every time I'd walk by, I'd be like, man, I got to fix that. And I feel like such a failure, right? I mean, I did. And then on Friday, my daughter calls me. She was sick at home. My daughter calls me and says, Dad, a huge wasp just flew in the house. And I'm like, take a picture. I want to show it on Sunday, right? The concerned dad. And this is what flew into my house. I cannot explain how big this thing is. And then I was like, yeah, I probably need to fix that window. Got it fixed yesterday. Got it fixed yesterday. Mission accomplished. Not a failure anymore. But here's what I love. Here's what I love. There are times in our life where we look at our lives and we go, God, I'm so broken. I got to fix that. God, would you fix that? God, I'm so, I'm so broken. 
Man, there's so many insects that's come into my life, so many things that have entered my world that it's like I can't get out, like I can't even kill it. It's like it's just stinging me over and over. God, would you fix me? God, would you fix this? Here's the great news from that one verse right here. God always completes what he begins. Always. He always completes what he begins. Now, I want to show you a few things out of this verse that I think are really, really, really cool, okay? If you look at this verse, Here's what it says. I am confident of this. The word confident is two words. Con means with and uh, fideo actually means faith. I am with faith. It means I am sure, I am positive, I am not missing this. I am 1000% correct on this. I am confident of this. What are you confident of, Paul? He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. Jesus. Now, remember, whenever you study scripture, the thing, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, to understand and to learn who God is, just go, God blank. God, who are you, God? Who are you? When you read this passage, God begins. God begins. And God begins a good work. God never begins a bad work. God begins a good work. And this is so important. In you. It does not say that God begins a good work for you. That'd be a different sermon. It does not say God begins a good work around you. That would be a different sermon. So many people have experienced a good work for them. So many people have experienced a good work around them. Very few people experience a good work in them. When God of heaven steps out of heaven into your life, in your life, you know it. You are changed. Something happens. You can't explain it. You can't put your finger on it. All you know is, oh my gosh, that meant something to me. It changed me. I see things differently now. I'm feeling different about things that I didn't feel before. Like things are shifting around in my life. And it says he begins a good work in you. Here's the promise. He will bring it to completion. You know what I love about that? And there's a verse in scripture that says this. Even when you are not faithful to him, he will be faithful to himself in you. He carries you. He picks you up. He brings you along. So in this room, if you really think that, no, man, I've gone so far off track. Man, there's no way God could ever use me again. It's impossible for God to do something for me and in me again. That's not what this verse is. Here's what Paul says. I'm confident with faith. I am sure of this one thing. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And that's an interesting phrase. Day of Christ Jesus. Hang on to that. When you go to verse nine, here's what it says. So this is my prayer. By the way, if you are a parent, this is a great prayer for your kids. I've been praying this for all three of my kids since they were born. Philippians one, verse nine. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Now, let me kind of tell you about some words in here because it's so, it's so good. My prayer is this, that your love may abound more and more. Where is he writing from? <laughs> in the tough circumstances of your life, do you pray that you will love people more? When's the last time that you've actually prayed that you want to love better? 
Not that you've prayed to be a better lover. That's a different sermon. We'll do that in February around Valentine's. Okay, I'm, I'm talking about like, God, I want you, even though my life is not what I want it to be right now. Even though I'm in a prison of my own world, I want you to teach me how to love better. Teach me how to love my kids better. New phase, new stage of life for them. How do I love them in this phase of life? Teach me how to love my spouse because I sure don't even like them right now. So teach me how to love them right now. God, teach me how to love my coworkers. Teach me how to love my boss, though he or she does not prefer me, even though I'm working my tail off. How do I love them? How do I love them? Teach me how to love them. Now, here's what's so interesting. I pray that your love may abound more and more. And then it says with two things, with knowledge and all discernment. Teach me how to love, but there's something that is going to expand my heart to love more and more and more. And the two things that he mentions that go in our heart are knowledge. That is not, the word is not an intellectual knowledge. There is a Greek word that talks about an intellectual knowledge. That's not this word that he chose. The word he chose is an experience of God. The work is done in me, not around me. So when God begins working in me, there is a knowledge I start having about him that I did not have before. So he goes, how is my love gonna abound more and more and more and more? Simple, by my experience with him. I'm meeting with him. I'm watching him do things in my life and through my life that I go, oh my gosh, this is exploding my own heart because of my relationship with you. How can I not love them more because of how you love me? And the other thing that it mentions is not only knowledge, but also discernment. Discernment is the truth of God. So now we have the experience of God in my life combined with the truth of God in my life that begins to just expand my heart. Oh my heavens, I'm reading and I'm going, man, I didn't know you loved that way. I didn't know you did that around me. I didn't know you did that through me. And I'm actually experiencing it. So my love begins to grow and grow and grow. He goes, that's my prayer. That would be my prayer for you that you would love that way. Why would we do that? Look at the two words in the middle of the screen. Knowledge and discernment, here it comes. So that, whenever you see those two words in a passage, it means purpose. Here's the purpose. Why would God want to just blow up our hearts with his word and his experience in our life? So that you may, be, uh, you may approve, that word means test, uh, examine, to, to evaluate, so that you may be able to approve what is excellent. Not what's good in life, not what's best in life, what's excellent in life. You'll know it. You'll see it. It'll have God written all over it. And in your life, as you're growing up as a saint, not a sinner, you will be able to immediately go, whoa, 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 I shouldn't be a part of that. That's not, that's not excellent. That, that, that's, not, that's not a saint of excellence that gets involved with that. I love that. I love them. I love her. I love him. But it's not what my calling is in life. You go, why is all of that important? He mentioned it in the verse before, and now he mentions it again. So that you will be pure and blameless. Here it is again for the day of Christ. He mentions the day of Christ almost back to back. You go, what is the day of Christ? What is that? What is that? It's his day. You go, okay, it says that, but what else is it? Here's what it means. It's his day where he gets the final word. And for those who know him, love him, served him, 
chosen to be his slave. Use me. Everything I have is from you. Here it all is. I've served you the best way I know how to serve you with my gifts and my talents. The day of Christ is his day for those individuals to say, I'm so proud of you. You won't believe how many people are here because of you. The way you've given financially to support my mission, the way you've used your talents to support my mission, it's great. It's his day to look at you to go, well done. You have been a faithful follower of me. It's also his day where he looks at those who rejected him and he speaks with them as well. And I believe on both of those days, by the way, is when scripture says what is true, we will all at that day go, you really are king of kings and Lord of lords and there's no other name under heaven except yours. Yours matters most. One will be rewarded, one will be judged. This is the day that Paul is writing about in prison with chains going, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful for God. My God, he's my God, so personal, he rescued me and I'm so thankful. And when I pray, I pray with so much joy because we are partnering together for that day when we stand before him blameless and pure and it's that day we give an account of our life of what kind of joy ride we rode with him to go you were worth it. Not just for six years. Oh my gosh, the stories are incredible over six years. But for my lifetime, I join you. And I think that's the question that he wants to ask all of us in this series. And that's this. Will you take this joy ride with me? Will you take this joy ride with me? Would you follow me? We say, God, would you fix me? He says, will you follow me? It's in the following that it takes time to fix us. Can I get an amen on some of that? <laughs> Anybody change overnight? No more problems, no more issues, no more addictions? Anybody? No. Okay. I didn't think so. I mean, because if you're it, then you just lied. You got another one. I mean, it just takes time for us. And he knows this. So he continues showing himself with an experience that we have with him, always in line with his truth that he has given to us so that our heart loves him more and our heart loves other people more. And this will be my question to you today. As we start this joyride, has that ever happened to you? Has it ever happened to you? Not going to church and being around God. Not going to church and believing the for me that God did, but has it ever in me happened, that phrase, in me? If not, I want to give you the opportunity right now to do that. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And if that's you... Just in your own words, I'll lead you, but it's in your own words, like over 500 other people have done in this theater. Just tell him, say, God, I need you in me. And the best way I know how, I surrender my life to you to be my Lord and Savior, to be my boss. You know everything about me, my sins, my strengths, my weaknesses, my failures, my accomplishments. And I really believe that you came to rescue me from me. So the best way I know how, I'm inviting you in me and my life today. And I will become your servant so that you can use me. Thank you for being my heavenly father and my savior today. In your name I pray, amen.